I'm Rob. I'm John. And this is the Mint One Podcast, where we talk all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. Web3 games are all about the future, but what about applying blockchain to the past games? There's plenty of ways in which blockchain can integrate into the games we already know and love. Let's discuss. Right, so another, what episode is this? I, I can never remember. 42, I believe. 42. Good stuff. I'm looking forward to. We should do something special for 52, like a year of episodes. Yeah, we should. I mean, we've missed the odd week here and there, but I mean, a year of episodes is a huge milestone. I think mm. we've discussed in the past about how most podcasts last like eight episodes or something. Yeah, I, I looked and, up the stats, didn't I? It was. Yeah. Um, I think 90% of podcasts don't make it past three episodes. Then ninety percent of the podcasts that make it through three don't make it past twenty. So we're already in the one percent. Um, yeah, and heading towards a year's worth of episodes, fifty-two. It'd be cool, it'd yeah. be cool to to reach that milestone. I mean, I mean, there's never a lack of stuff to talk about. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, Web three, yeah, Web three moves a mile a minute. Um, mm. and quite frankly, I mean, we both live in the UK. The UK yep. is moving a mile a minute. <laughs> I mean, I mean as it is. Literally, literally, as we record this, our Prime Minister resigned about an hour and a half ago. Yep. So we, we're we living in a time of turmoil, and I'm sure those of you living internationally know that the UK is a bit of a, I'll need to mark here, show. So, I mean... <laughs> yes, it is. But hey, we, we live in the Web3 world, and yes, we're still there. in the midst... No Prime Minister's here. Oh, no, we, we just have the our Lord Dows. and Saviour, <laughs> Vitalik Buterin, <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto. But, I mean, hey, it's um, we're still in the midst of a bear market, but it doesn't mean that there's uh, not juicy topics for us to sink our teeth into. Mm, and there is. Do you want to talk about how you came up with the topic for this pod, Rob? Yes, so I think it was the end of last year, I looked at a game which I'm going to talk about in this episode called RF Online. It was a MMO that I didn't play. I didn't even really know about. I'd heard, I think I'd heard the name, that's it. And essentially they wanted to reboot their game and um, put a token in. So utilizing blockchain technology, I'm not sure what network it, it was on, but they it was something they were looking at doing. And I wrote an article saying, is this something perhaps we should be looking at? You know, we're always looking forward with Web3 games. We're always looking at like, what's the next big thing that's coming? We're looking at like Superior, Gala Games and um, Big Time. And you're looking at all these huge AAA projects that we're all excited for. But I feel like when we look at blockchain gaming, we're looking at it as if there's going to be a division um, of Web2 games and Web3 games and that's it. But there's nothing to prohibit blockchain technology being integrated retroactively into Web2 games. Um, and I think it will end up being a bit blurrier and a bit messier. And I'd been thinking about that for a while. And then this week I got into the closed beta of Gamer Gains. The, okay. um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with it. It's uh, a little bit. It's kind of under the radar, which it shouldn't be because it, it really could be something special. Um, I wrote about it in April. It's essentially a platform that overlays play to earn mechanics onto Web2 games. Okay. So, you so I got the closed beta launched I think last week and I got into it and I tested it this week and then I wrote an article about it yesterday which prompted this episode. Um, so how it works is you you sign up, you connect your Steam account, and then you can play games like CS:GO, um, Dota 2. Uh, there's ten games I can actually bring the list up. Um, but you play these games and essentially you earn a token, a crypto token, while you play the games. Okay. Um, and they're slowly integrating quests and stuff. So you have to do, uh, I'm just going to guess here, but perhaps on Dota 2, they could have a quest to win a game as a carry. And then, you know, you, you get a certain number of these tokens. At the moment, it's basically time gated, like play an hour of this game. Um, and then the Steam API shows them that you've played that. Uh, and you get some gamer token and the games that they've got 10 games it works with at the moment CSGO, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Dota 2, Elden Ring, GTA 5, Lost Ark, PUBG, Rainbow Six and Rust. So they've covered a lot of the biggest games that are currently out mm -hmm. um, and then with CSGO they've added a, a game mode called Gain and Goes which is just a, a private server where you get a small amount of the gamer token every time you get a kill. 
Um, okay. But it just so there's there's a lot to come from this. It's, it's still uh, the closed beta does feel like a closed beta. There's a lot of features that aren't running yet. The tokenomics don't feel fully fleshed out, and they you know it underpins everything the the tokenomics because if the token doesn't work, if there's not enough utility for the token, then you know who's gonna who's gonna care about earning it. But the idea, the premise is so simple, but so good. Like it, it can. I, I mean, I I made this sort of. Uh, off-the-cuff comment in the article and it was kind of a joke but it's kind of true they've got the best elevator pitch of all time they can basically say to you why would you not be earning playing the game you're already playing mm. because like if you're already playing 12 hours of csgo a day trying to you know make it into csl or whatever then why why not earn why are you doing it you might as well just earn um and it, it's it's just it's really well done and it, it just got me thinking more and more about how perhaps we're looking forward too much and we're not looking at the ways in which blockchain could be applied to past games and current games that have been in development for you know a decade and are in a better position rather than because you know we're we're still probably a year away from a proper triple a launching not being an alpha not being in beta and so on um so yeah that was the inspiration and that was my monologue about the inspiration. What are your thoughts? <laughs> so I, we've heard rumours, or there's been rumours floating around whether they're substantiated or not, who knows, of games such as possibly Fortnite, mm. possibly incorporating blockchain elements, or, you know, the next GTA could perhaps have yeah, I've seen that <laughs> some cryptocurrency within it. And I think when you started talking about the the idea of earning tokens for doing something within a game. I mean, it's not a, it's not an entirely new concept to, to earn a currency of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the idea of earning cryptocurrency whilst playing a game that you're already playing is, is quite a novel one. And it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I'll, I will definitely look into, uh, look into that product that you, you discuss and see mm. um, what the impact and what the, what the interest around it is but i mean i remember way back in the day i'm talking like you know when i was 10 11 years old we were talking like 2009 2010 where i was playing uh like browser mmos mm. and for example you could watch an ad and if you watch an ad that would give you one of the you know one game coin or whatever the in-game currency was really? the only the only way you could get it it wasn't a cryptocurrency it was no, purely no. purely used within that game's ecosystem that so kind of foreshadowed the um the mobile market which has, has now adopted that yeah so i think the idea although that that whole system is propagated on the idea of hey, I'm going to force an advert in front of you yep. and we're going to pay you for that. I mean, this is effectively what Brave Browser does today. Hey, if it, mm. it, We're going to disable all ads, but if you want to uh, you know, see some ads, we'll pay you in our Brave Crypto for doing so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting system. Um, my, my, only, my only real concern about uh, a, a system like the one that you've just discussed there is there has to be inherent utility and inherent use cases for that yeah um crypto you're being rewarded for it to have any value i mean if you look at brave browser if you're using brave browser every single day then you're earning i mean obviously it fluctuates with the price but it's i think it's several dollars a month like it's Mm -hmm. it's it's so low as to almost be rendered irrelevant yeah Um, i mean it might be a huge amount for for people in you know um third world economies let's say or emerging economies but for the most part it's something that's it's a nice novelty Mm-hmm. But it isn't this kind of game-changing uh, system that we have, yep. and I the idea of retroactively applying cryptocurrency or blockchain tech to to already well-known and well-established games is it, it, it's a, it's an interesting one. I I think I still. From a, from a balance perspective, I think it's it's easier for a game to be built from the ground up to have crypto, mm-hmm. you know, from, from from the foundation to be like, hey, we're going to incorporate crypto in this. How do we build the game to be sustainable, to be balanced correctly, um, so it's not pay to win or, or whatever the case may be, than to just kind of put that system on top of a game that we already play. But it's not to say that I would kind of discount it entirely. I think correctly balanced, it could work quite well. And... I mean, we, we talk about onboarding all the time. If it's something that, you know, runs in the background, is super lightweight, 
and rewards people for the games that they already play, I'm all for it. But will it be yeah. successful? Who knows? Yeah. So I've got I've got a few a few comments on that. So firstly, when it comes to gamer gains, uh, I completely agree. And as as I said in in my article that it all hinges on the utility. They, they have to get the utility of this token right or it's not valuable. It doesn't really matter what the supply is or whatever. You have to find ways of using that that is desirable. And that can be the two ways I thought of, which I think are, are just, I mean, easy wins to me, is if you had an NFT shop that you can only spend gamer tokens on and those NFTs are exclusive. Um, and also partnerships with games where perhaps you unlock skins in that game that you wouldn't even if they're not nfts i mean doesn't i guess it doesn't really matter at this point um i think there there are two ways that you just need people to want gamer token not just try and earn it to sell it because if they're just earning it to sell it there'll be it'll be a seller heavy market and Mm -hmm. the token won't do well there needs to be utility to it which i think to, to be fair their white paper does suggest that they you know they are looking at that so hopefully they get that right um with Sorry, go on. So I was going to say, I think we need to avoid, in that sort of utility system, we need to avoid kind of NFTs for NFTs' sake. I think yeah. if, a, if a utility system like that would um, have any chance of working effectively in a traditional gamer audience, it has mm. to give them something that they actually want. Yeah. So whether that be, hey, you can exchange X amount of our cryptocurrency for... I was going to say CSGO skins, but I think Valve would have an issue with that. Um, but but there, there has to be some sort of tangible benefit. And I think if they can if they can partner with games to make this work in a way that makes sense for a gamer, mm. then sure. But I think they need to again need to be really well designed and then not come off as contrived. Not like yes. it has it has to be something a gamer actually wants rather than. I mean, uh, there has to be like an NFT doesn't cut it unless that NFT mm. then has use cases and makes sense, but. I think we need to we need to avoid just being like, hey, you can get NFTs for this because I yeah. think we've gone past the point where people like that care about that anymore. It's like, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, we're harking back to to last week exactly. Yeah. Like that that sort of incentive is no longer um, particularly attractive. It, it just mm. won't cut the mustard. You won't get enough traction. So yeah, I, I fully agree with that. As as for the, I think the the broader topic is applying uh, blockchain technology to past games. Um, I fully agree with what you said. So I think trying to tack it on top of games won't work. Um, we have already seen attempts of just integrating NFTs and it was disastrous because not only did the Web2 gamers who hate NFTs hate it, surprise, surprise, but so did most people in Web3 because it was just rubbish. So um, that yeah, it, it requires a lot more thought than that. It requires a lot more effort. But... Uh, my go-to example, and it must have been three months since I've mentioned this game, so it's about <laughs> time, um, is if you tokenized uh, currencies and economies in games that are already flourishing and already doing well. So, drumroll, EVE Online. Hey. Uh, there it is. <laughs> so, they have what I would argue is the best economy in any game possibly ever they they've done incredible things and as i've said a million times london school of economics has studied them and when there's crazy events in their market it gets studied by financial institutions because it's a good learning experience and it, it often mirrors you know the real markets in in some ways not all but some um i wonder and you know i am far from an expert on tokenomics or financials but i do wonder if you could perhaps you know how you do a fork in crypto I wonder if you could do a similar thing with the currency in Eve, for example, is ISK. I wonder if you could tokenize ISK so that people just get the same amount they had of this new token. Um, and I, I wonder what that would do to the economy of the game. I wonder how it would affect the players and the community. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of considerations, but it, it seems like an interesting idea that nobody's looked at yet. Yeah. I think one of the main concerns with taking any established in-game currency and effectively tokenizing it is uh, the pay-to-win issue. Mm. Um, I mean, with with ISK, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's any way to directly purchase ISK for real-world currency. There is. is. Oh, there is. Okay. There is, yeah. But can it be... uh, ISK, to my understanding, cannot then be sold back into... 
real world no, no i don't think okay. so i don't believe i think that okay. is where the the difference maker is you okay. wouldn't be able to get your investment back out mm. if you abide by their terms yeah so i think having that kind of you can buy in but you can't sell out system is i i believe i mean i'm not a game designer but from from i believe a game design point of view is relatively easy to balance because you know that from a there's only ever going to be more isk in the system mm. you know it's not going to no isk is going to be removed so you can plan yeah. the in-game economics around a continuing inflationary curve if you well no I, mean. I guess that's perhaps not true because so many players quit and that if they're true if they're absolutely loaded when they quit like uh the co- my co-founder uh, he used to, he, he'll like this shout out, uh, if he's listening. And this is a great test. If you're not listening, Dave, I'm coming for you. Um, so he ran a very successful corporation on Eve Online, like some years ago. And eventually the corporation fell apart and he was left with all the assets. And he had billions and billions and billions of the in-game currency. And then eventually, you know, he found other things to do and got bored and, and he hasn't played the game for years. So he's technically, just sitting on a ton of currency. So I guess it's probably not quite as straightforward as it'll always be there. But then that that's the same with, with any, there's no economy I imagine where it's constantly flowing at maximum capacity. Yeah. And I think if, if you're tokenizing any currency, you're inevitably going to be en- uh, going to end up with uh, sizable amounts of it that are held either on exchanges or yep. in wallets or accounts that never interact with the game or people that just start using it as investment that have yep. no intention whatsoever <laughs> of playing EVE or mm. playing any part in the economy. They just think it's a good token for them to invest in. And I think that's that's going to become a big issue, I think, for, for play to and game developers is inevitably, however you set your system up, there's going to be people that purchase your currency purely for financial speculation. They mm-hmm. have no intention of playing the game, no intention of, you know, uh, taking any part in it and then the same goes for nfts i suppose you know there's plenty of people that just flip nfts because they want to earn money not because they care about the project or care about the collection um is it bad for the game do you think it's i think it prevent it presents sorry difficulties to the developers because it's not like there's a huge amount of uh, of kind of case studies or previous examples of this that developers can mm. draw on. Like, unless, until we have several years of, uh, you know, reputable blockchain games in the space that you can point to evidence and say, oh, you know, roughly 15% of the holders of this NFT never played the game, or, you know, 20% of the holders of the, of the token didn't play the game at all. It, it's difficult for a developer to, to plan their economy in a way that will work. And, I mean, we've said in the past when you have a traditional MMO and it's all just, you know, valueless assets and valueless in-game currencies, you know, it's perfectly fine for a developer to change the stats of an item or change the price of something in-game because there's no real-world economic um, Mm. kind of changes there. Or, well, disregarding real-world trading and, you know, things that are against terms of uh, Mm. of service and that kind of thing. But once you do impart... Um, a token into proceedings, then any change developers make will have financial ramifications. And I think that's going to make it super difficult to balance games. I can't remember which game it is, whether it's Gods Unchained or Skyweaver, that said that they'll never put any of their cards on like a ban list. Um, Which, very admirable, but that must present so many difficulties from a game design and balancing perspective. To say that, hey, yeah. you know, we'll never ban any cards. We'll never take any cards because I mean, they know if they if they ban a card, the value's destroyed, and it's it. Man, it must be difficult. It's I I don't know what to make of this. I feel like we needed to do an off air version of this podcast then and on air <laughs> because I'm still trying to work through stuff. But maybe that I don't know. Maybe that's interesting to listen to. But I, I I'm trying to work out if there's any outside examples of where you buy something that can just change. And that's, it, I might be off the mark here, but it, I, I'm tempted to say everything. Because, Pretty I much. mean, look at the, I, I mean, I, I, I bought my house in 2020 
what if they built an airport next to it? Like the, yeah. the price would either go down or up massively, completely out of my control. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the developers of the area I live just decided they wanted to lean into one thing and lean out of another thing. There's so many, there's so many things. Every, everything you ever spend money on has ways of, you know, being adjusted. I don't think, but, but then it does raise the issue of, uh, particularly with games under 18s, if it's seen as an investment, you know, it's, it's hard, but then I also feel like it's kind of inevitable because it's a better way of working than what we currently have where you have nothing to show for it. So it it is Mm. a better way of working, but how do we protect the most vulnerable? That needs consideration. Yeah. I mean, a thought's just popped into my head. It's probably going to be quite a controversial one, but I'm going to say it anyway. Excellent. Like that. We, there's a lot of talk in Web3 about, you know, protecting people under the age of 18, which I absolutely think we should be doing. Mm-hmm. But also, it's, I mean, Web3 is an industry. I mean, Atomic Club does this. I think the Wax blockchain does this. And I'm sure many other people uh, do say this in their terms and conditions. Uh, they say, hey, you must be over 18 to use our services, mm-hmm. which is the right thing to do. And it's the right thing to do by current laws and regs and all that good stuff. However, I think it would be um, slightly ignorant of us as kind of a wider community to think that people below the 18 uh, below the age of 18 don't have a sense of value and don't have a sense of I, I i agree that they're not old enough to make responsible financial decisions but i mean just going back to my past i remember being eight years old and you know holding limited edition match attacks and be like i i'm not you know you could give me 60 70 match attacks i'm not going to trade my like i mm. I, I've, I already have a concept of value at that stage and this is where it becomes incredibly muddled. Are there people under the age of 18 that are in blockchain and playing blockchain games? Absolutely. Are there... I mean, for the longest time, FIFA was... Uh, it was still a 3-plus Peggy rating, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Even though it had, you know, FIFA Ultimate Team and you could spend real money and, you know, there's inherent value there. I think there's... This is such a complicated topic. And I... I I'm stuck in two minds. We we obviously, we need to protect the vulnerable. I completely agree with that. I don't think vulnerability is exclusively linked to age. Although I do no. think, I do think that we should implement a kind of an age, an age on there. And I think 18 is the correct age. But does that mean that we're going to exclude people under the age of 18 from playing any games with blockchain integration in them? Because if that's the case, then that presents a huge onboarding challenge for for developers around the world, quite frankly. Because we're then saying, hey, we can't necessarily put NFTs in a game like Fortnite, for example, which to a company like Epic, I'm sure that if they did put uh, cryptos or tokens or NFTs into Fortnite, they would make a killing. Mm. But they couldn't do that. I think that they have a moral responsibility to the the people under the age of being able to make responsible financial choices mm. um and yeah may, i maybe i've just dived into a a pool of <laughs> complicated discussion here you you have you have but it's <laughs> the, there's i mean i i'm certain that there there's going to be regulatory bodies like the esrb etc that are thinking or considering these exact same questions at the moment yeah and they're not easy. <laughs> they're not no. easy questions by any stretch of the imagination. They're not. I mean, in fairness, I, I mean, I don't know about other countries, but uh, people in the UK can create a bank account from, I mean, what age? Very young. young. Yeah. Um, so we're giving people some fiduciary responsibility. And I will say there's, an, there's been an increase um, in the last few years of like, hey, there's bank cards for so um, yeah. kids and their parents are able to... Like pocket um, money distribution. Through. Basically, yeah. yeah. So are there avenues for there to be similar things for blockchain and for cryptocurrency? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I don't think... Um, it Does blockchain present an opportunity to um, allow young people a responsible route to further their fiduciary responsibility <laughs> this is gone this is gone D. maybe but yeah this has gone incredibly off topic but it's i mean web3 is a 
difficult topic, isn't it? So. I, so I've got so many, so many thoughts. I don't, I don't know where to start. So, firstly, I, I fully agree. Um, Eighteen is, is arbitrary, obviously, and I imagine you were eight years old with your match attacks was probably more or or less less vulnerable than some fifty year olds. Like age isn't True. a perfect metric. But there isn't anything better that we have access to. No. We, we can't start IQ testing people. We can't, you know, it, it, there's there's no way of determining. So we just have given an arbitrary age that most like you've reached a level of of uh, maturity that you are hopefully. I mean, at eighteen, I was just uh, a, a tool, a huge oh, tool. I had yep. no idea. I was so bad with money. I went to, I first went to university at Leicester mm. um, when I was eight, 18, when I finished school and um, I got a grant, a student loan, and I had some money that had been saved for me. Mm. I spent £2,000 in Freshers Week. True story. True story. <laughs> and I, I do not come from money at all. Mm. <laughs> that was, that was uh, but, I mean, I, I was com- a complete idiot at 18, mm-hmm. whereas there's people at 18 who have made millions from two thousand pounds by you know being sensible with it so we don't really have a way of measuring how vulnerable someone is um however we we need to try and solve the problem of protecting at least children you know i I mean that's the least we can do and one way i was thinking is i I think we're probably going to end up tokenizing most games I might be wrong about that, but I'd quite, I think I'd quite like to see that. I think it's a better way of doing it than centralized. Um, and it leads to more opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think one, one way we could perhaps get around the issues of regulations is that you, until you're 18, you can't trade out. You can only hold the in-game currency. That could, that could be one way we could sidestep it. Um, yeah. I, an immediate thing that comes to mind with that is. I think people are just going to start account selling, which yeah, yeah. I mean, pe- the problem will keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> location, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think no it, I think it's an impossible. It's just an impossible problem to entirely solve. I think. What the, if we I, just say, f- it. survival of the fittest? Sorry, can you press? Can you mark yeah, that? Thank, thank you, thank you. <laughs> this is now survival of the fittest, and if you're a five-year-old on. Roblox and you're getting absolutely farmed for your token <laughs> then, then <laughs> so be it <laughs> you didn't deserve it you, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know I don't know the solution just just hearkening back to something I said earlier in the podcast most marketplaces um, blockchains etc say hey we're exclusively 18 plus yep. yet we keep seeing news reports of hey this 8 year old has made half a million pounds on OpenSea yeah. it's like well what, how after he's made it his dad's had to step in and be like, oh yeah, yeah basically. He through me, he did it through me. Please don't take the money. Yeah, away. which is, I mean, that's that's surely not on. Right? I mean, I mean it's, I, it's n- nothing weird. against these uh, these young people that are doing fantastically well on blockchain. I think it's a great story, but it effectively giving someone of that, or as the media are kind of reporting it, hey, this eight year old has uh, raised half a million pounds. Like, is mm. is that should that be possible? Like, is, is that a fiduciary responsible thing to give someone that young X amount of money? Well, they no, haven't, but I mean, they, ca- they haven't given because it, it goes to the parents and it's... But like, it hasn't uh, been given to him either. No, he, he, I mean, he it. hasn't. They it's it's like it. these, these kids... Have you seen these kids that... Um, I, I think it was a couple of years ago, there was some kid who was going to Costco with his mum and buying tons <laughs> of sweets and then selling these sweets for slightly under the price of the tuck shop at the school and making an absolute killing. Yep. And he wasn't... I mean, he was expelled. <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> criticised. <laughs> Outside of that, everyone was like, you know, that's entrepreneurial and that's encouraged to be entrepreneurial. Yeah. But then you can't say be entrepreneurial, but also don't earn any money because, I mean, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, anyway, we've, we've gone, <laughs> we've gone so far off piece. I think just, just hearkening back to your kind of Freshers Week story, which, I mean, I have mm. one strikingly similar. In my second year of university, I was, uh, was in Newcastle, uh, where I still live now, funny enough. And I, so, so for those of you that aren't aware, in the UK, where you get your student loan, I think you get it in three installments. So you get, mm-hmm. you get one installment at the start of the year that's intended to last you until like Christmas, and then one at New Year's that, uh, yeah, I know. And then one you get at January that's supposed to last you until like March, April. And then one, overdraft. Uh, yeah, and then one March, April that's supposed to last you until uh, you go back home for the summer. Mm. So my second year, 
I, um, you know, I, I, I came in, I, again, I had student loan grant. Uh, I don't think I had any savings, but, you know, I had a, had a substantial amount of money. Um, I'd blown all of my first student loan payment in about six weeks. <laughs> um, I Doesn't was, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I was playing poker to survive. Um, oh, at that point, <laughs> I was no, seriously. You're the vulnerable I was, guy we need to protect. <laughs> I, I was at the time, not going to lie, but no. I mean, I I made um, a set of uh, foolish decisions at the time, and I was 19. So I, I, I think that just proves it's to say that them. you know you don't. Yeah, exactly. Like age, I don't think is any marker of how responsible you are as a person. You know, I'd met. I'd met someone who ended up being a partner for an extended period of time. I made some poor financial decisions. You know, I was playing poker. I didn't get into as bad a situation as one of my other poker friends at the time who was eating one apple a day for two months. God, that that doesn't keep the doctor away. No, no. (laughs) You have to to supplement that one (laughs) apple a day. (laughs) But, But, you know, I, thankfully, I ended up okay. I think it was more, I think it was more luck than skill, but... Maybe this yeah. is the point, though, isn't it? Like that, um, more people make stupid decisions when they're young than they do when they're older. So maybe yeah. we just have to go on the law of averages. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to start talking about education and how people. But I, I think there's, at least in the UK, there's a kind of I believe a lack of like fiduciary education. Like it's not like, hey, here's how you pay bills. Here's yeah, how your money yeah, managed. There's, no, there's no, nobody gets any of that. Education, and then yeah. you, you you go to uni and you're giving loads of money. And you expected to just learn, which is fine. You know, I think both of us are, I, I believe, both quite responsible with our money nowadays. Mm. Um, but it's, where the hell am I going with this? I think it's, <laughs> there's, there, there's so many facets to this whole discussion about tokenizing crypto. Yeah. In, it, it's, it's, it's partly education. It's partly legal. It's partly responsibility on the part of developers. It's partly, well, hey, do, do we even want people under the age of 18 playing these games? Mm. Um, will gamers even receive this well? Do they want to pick up a game that they've played for years and now has tokens in it? I mean, we saw what happened with that Tom Clancy game. Like, nobody cared. I think they sold no. about... It was barely any... But, it, but it, it didn't do anything. It was just po- it was no, pointless. It was, it was pointless. It was a meek um, effort. Yeah. Pointless tokenization of of a game that didn't need it. Mm. Um I mean, okay. I think we're I think we're both aware of MMOs that are yeah. currently being developed with crypto integration. But oh, mm. I mean, who who even knows? You know. But I think so. Let's take this a different direction because we've <laughs> we, we've explored <laughs> uh, children getting exploited on uh, online games <laughs> enough. Um, so there there is another way in which so tokenizing past games is one is one way of yes. of, of using blockchain for Web two games. Uh, which by which I just mean games before blockchain. Um, but there's also been a revival of deceased games, which I quite yes. like. Now, I mentioned in the intro, um, which now feels like several days ago, uh, RF Online. Now, I quite liked what they did. I imagine it failed because I haven't heard about them since. But I like, I like the idea is that the game had died and they wanted to reboot it, but with tokenization. And I know plenty of people will say, what's the point in that? But I have two counterpoints to that. One, you can capture new players in the play-to-earn market, in the Web3 gamer market, where they are looking for the most interesting Web3 games that you can currently play, and the roster isn't very big. So... Uh, you've got quite a high chance of being able to throw a net over some players and get new players in. Mm-hmm. You will also recapture old players, whether you like it or not. I know a lot of Web2 gamers will be like, you won't, you won't get your old players. Game reboots are a thing. Mm-hmm. I know, I, I know John right now is playing a reboot <laughs> of WoW Classic, World of Warcraft yeah. Classic. Um, and it, it's, it's just a good way of getting, if you enjoyed the game like 10 years ago, if you enjoyed the game 10, 15 years ago, then it's just, uh, it, it didn't seem like it would work. When WoW Classic was announced, people have been calling for it for God knows how long. And they kept saying, no, you think you do, you don't, blah, blah, blah. And then it ended up being the thing that saved WoW subscriptions. And people actually have enjoyed it. And since then, other games have, have done reboots and players enjoy the game particularly if it's slightly modernized like hashtag some changes where they make some modernizations yeah. um and i think this could be a good 
a good way for previously popular games that have just fizzled out. Um, one game which isn't it just it died, but it hasn't it didn't die long ago. It is Bless Unleashed. Um, okay. So Bless Online is a Asian MMO. I I've played it and I actually quite enjoyed it, but it didn't keep me for very long. I played it for about two months and then gave up. So uh, by MMO standards, that's very poor. And I imagine, um, oh, well, I know the player numbers. They were top of Steam at one point wow. upon release. One of the, one of the, I don't know if it's Bless Unleashed or Bless. They add, a, you know, they just yeah. pick up a thesaurus and add a random word after Bless. <laughs> Honestly, they've released like nine versions of the same game. Um, but they were top of Steam and top mm. of Twitch and they were absolutely killing it. And it was essentially a, a, a reboot. And now they are looking to reboot um, Bless Unleashed with crypto. Um, okay. that's, that's, that's their aim. So they're doing the same sort of thing as, um, RF Online. Now, I think play to earn reboots could be good. Um, and I, like I said, I spoke about them towards the end of last year and I predicted it could be something we start seeing a lot of. And I was, I mean, wrong. Um, no dice. It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet, but then the markets are in the bin. So there's no chance right now. Like play to earn is not faring well because you can't really earn when the cryptocurrency market isn't worth much. It's down like what 70% since last year. So, um, it's just another area that I think could be interesting, um, to sort of revive deceased games. Uh, I have more on this topic, but what are, what are your thoughts? I so there's there's plenty of games that you mentioned WoW Classic there. There's plenty of games that I loved from my childhood that if they were relaunched, rebooted, re-released, you know, HD upgrade, stick cryptocurrency in it, I would absolutely play again. Like mm. I, I I've shared you this. You mentioned idea. one, didn't you, the other week? Um. Oh God, I'm I'm talking I I, about I, old I, games all the time. <laughs> I've jumped I've jumped you with that one. Sorry. But, no, <laughs> no. In, in fairness, there was um. I mean, I know I've shared this privately with someone, but there was a game. There were two games. One released 2001, I believe. One released 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dynasty Tactics and Dynasty Tactics 2. Nobody listening to this has probably even heard of them. I but I, I, I've, in the back of my mind, I've always thought, oh, man, I would love to re-release. Or, or I'd love Wait, to two- basically release those games. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, did you say 2003? Yes. W- weren't, not to put too much of a finer point on it, but weren't you still a sperm? I was five year, uh, either five or six years old. Oh, okay. Wow. So, like, so yeah. I mean, but, and you still think about, because I can't really remember much of many so, of the games I was so playing. So the, the, these two games, and I think I've said this to people that are probably watching this podcast now, I, I replay both of these games at least once every year. Um, oh, you still play them? Yeah, yeah, I still, oh, I cool. still play them. I, I complete them, like 100% them at least once every year. I mean, it takes I me like a like day and a half, two days. I usually like mm. try to do it as quickly as I can, but those those games are it's not to say that there's there's games in the past that still have ideas and still do things in a way that I think some new games don't capture. I think mm-hmm. game design has become such a I mean it's all about money nowadays. And of it's course. all about it's all about revenue. Not that it wasn't before, but I think developers were much more willing to take risks. I mean, you wouldn't get for example a game like um Katamari Damacy today. People would look at it. I'm not sure if you're aware of that game. I, I don't even know what you just uh, said. <laughs> so Katamari Damacy, it was released in like 2003, I think, for the PS2. Right. You're basically like this ball and you just roll around and you pick stuff up. So you start off as like something really small and you're picking up like mm. signs and like pieces of wood. And you end up being like the size of the galaxy and you're just rolling around picking up like other galaxies. And so right. it was like a massive smash hit. Um but again, just a really unique idea, but something we've not mm. seen in ages. And uh, like with Dynasty Tactics, it's something that I don't think any game has matched for in the last 20 years. And I think if that came back with, you know, someone put some budget behind it and maybe put some crypto in it, I think that could be a massive hit. Mm. But I, I think there's there's absolutely an appetite for old for old games that continues to increase. I mean, the retro gaming scene, the speedrunning scene is fueling this... This just increased love for old games and for the way it used to be and for a move away from live service experiences and, you mm. know, whatever Jim, uh, Jim Sterling's quote is mm. <laughs> lately. But I, th- there's absolutely an appetite out there for it. Um, there is a game on Wax, I believe, and uh, I'm not sure if any developers might be listening to this. If you are and I say anything wrong, please do correct me. Um, but it's a game called Swamp Soldiers, which mm. I believe is based on what I think is a late 90s 
MMO, like browser MMO. I don't think it's isometric. It's that weird kind of two and a half where it's flat, mm. but you can see some characters at an angle. Yeah. And I, what they've basically done is taken that game, incorporated a token, and then I think they're doing some kind of additional development on top of it that the, the original game didn't have. But I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And quite frankly, I'm surprised that I've not seen as much of that up to this point. I mean, obviously, you know, you need to own the IP and you need to own blah, 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 blah. But I'm, I am surprised I've not seen as much of it as we have done up to this point. Um, I, I don't think it's, do I think a retro, like a re-release retro game with NFTs or cryptocurrency in it is all of a sudden going to become like the biggest Web3 game and onboard all of these gamers into Web3? No, but I think there's certainly, it adds a new dimension to old games. I think if it's balanced correctly and done in the right way, can be a great service to blockchain uh, as an industry mm. and maybe it can make people consider or think about blockchain games and nfts and cryptocurrency in a different way so sorry that was long-winded as hell no <laughs> I, I was enjoying it because I, I i mean i agree we're obviously we're both really passionate about games um and i think retro gaming it's not something I, i've got into that much until while classic which i did play came out it lined itself up nicely with lockdown when i was living on my own um, and I had very little else to do with my time other than I'd do a bit of work and then I'd just jump on, on Wild Classic. And you're right. I think, I mean, game design has changed a lot for the better, but I think it has also lost some stuff in the journey. Um, particularly I find, uh, the sort of harshness, the difficulty, the not giving you tutorials and, and guides to everything, but you just have to figure stuff out and it's kind of a bit more brutal. Yeah. Um, which, which I enjoyed, but I, I think it's not it's not a way to bring blockchain gaming forward necessarily, but more of a uh, an interaction between gaming and blockchain, where we can see cool games that people used to love and give them an opportunity to recapture that. And it's not just nostalgia. I know a lot of people thought it would be with things like Wild Classic. It's just the best example. Yep. A lot of people thought it would just be nostalgia and you'd get bored, but it wasn't that. The, the game is fundamentally different than um, the retail version that people have today. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's a completely different, it's less of a theme park and more of a, a, a grindy, difficult experience in which you can fail often. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I like the idea of, of bringing back these games that were once popular. And I tell you who's doing a really good job of this. Uh, I, I wrote an article a couple of months ago calling The Sandbox the ultimate meta game. I think mm. I, I might have brought this up on the pod before. Um, and essentially what they're doing is a little bit like what we're talking about, except they're rebranding it in the sandbox. So it's sort of being built in sandbox style and using their okay. engine. Um, but for example, they have uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon is being rebuilt in that. We haven't had a Roller Coaster Tycoon for a long time, I don't, I don't no. think, or at least I've not seen it. Um, Tony Hawk's is having a game built in the sandbox, which is... These are kind of like new versions of old IPs. Yep. Um, and Tony Hawk's loves a reboot lately. They're another good reboot <laughs> example. Um, my, my friend and I, so I used to skate when I was a teenager and my mate and I love Tony Hawk's and we, he bought it on the, he bought the reboot on the day of like releasing. So like, I completed it in like four hours. It was, <laughs> wow. You forget, <laughs> you forget how easy it is now. Yeah. Um, and then they've, what else? they've got, um, Dungeon Siege, which I hadn't really heard of, but it's a, it's the perfect example. It's essentially a cult RPG. It's a series of RPGs. Um, and it's been dead for a decade. The last release was 2011 and it's still got its cult, you know, fans, but it's, it's certainly not something that's competitive or, or actively gaining new players. Yep. And they're rebuilding that game in the sandbox, okay. which I think is really cool. And it's another, it's another way in which, um, we get some of the gaming's history and we integrate blockchain and I don't want to say put it in the metaverse, but you know, you kind of are. And it, it, it's just, I, I just, I like that idea. And I think it's all too easy to be looking forward constantly when perhaps there's some interesting stuff we can do with past games that have been, you know, successful already. So you know, the game's good and then see the ways in which we can improve it with blockchain. And yep. the, my final point on that is, um, something you uh, highlighted there, which is it's also kind of a soft way to show gamers who perhaps don't like the idea of NFTs and tokenization 
its value and its utility because you know try forcing education down their throat is just never going to work whereas if you can show examples of oh like no you own that now um you you can sell it i mean obviously you'd, you'd need to get them into a bit of an ecosystem so they see the value of owning the nft but um yeah i think it's a, it's a cool avenue yeah i think education rarely sells i mean I, I struggle to think of examples where education is like the main factor in anyone doing anything if i'm mm. honest like just because you understand how a system works doesn't make it uh, emotionally more appealing it just means you understand it a bit better um my biggest fear with blockchain gaming is that because the developer environment nowadays especially amongst the triple a's is so focused on revenue generation and so focused on making money for investors is that these triple a's purely look at blockchain and integrating blockchain as a way to make more money and mm. they might sell it as hey we're giving you guys the power we're giving you guys utility you guys opportunities to earn which may be the case in some cases but it won't be the case for everybody and there's if there's winners there's also losers and ultimately it is going to put more money in the pockets of publishers and developers which isn't necessarily a bad thing mm. if we're talking about indies that you know let's say an indie makes a really cool game and because it's put blockchain in it and it really resonates with an audience um you know they can get rewarded for all of that hype that's brilliant i love that but equally if you're giving um you know a niche indie that power you're also giving um activision blizzard <laughs> that mm. power and you're also giving um ubisoft and mm. you know a lot of the other massive publishers and studios that exact same power to generate uh, or, or give them access to this new revenue stream i i mean ultimately this is going to come down to how gamers receive the idea of having blockchain integration into uh, not just new ips but obviously reboots uh, and all the games that they love i mean especially lately we are seeing more and more old games given a new coat of paint mm. and going hey you know new game i think the only franchise i think that's done in an interesting way is the final fantasy 7 re-release mm. which wasn't a re-release it was an actual remake as in yeah. like completely changing it which i think is a, it's a really cool way of doing it it's got mm. that nostalgia here but also oh god there's new stuff here mm. <laughs> and, and it's it's intriguing but ah it's i mean well, I, I was watching a streamer the other day who um is under the impression that they might start re-releasing some of the old need for speed games so mm -hmm. you know underground underground 2 most wanted you know the, the massive ones in the mid 2000s and my fear with reboots is that developers know that there's this appetite for reboots at the moment, that there's appetite for nostalgia and this retro sense of video games. And I'm hoping that they don't see blockchain as an opportunity to go, hey, we're re-releasing this. We'll stick blockchain in it. We'll make more money off it. And it's less work for us. Yeah. Um, there has to be, or I, I would like there to be this increased sense of responsibility in... Uh, developers that choose to put blockchain elements into their games but i i talk about regulation too much on this podcast but there's there's nothing to stop at the moment or i i believe there isn't necessarily any any mechanism to stop a developer from just putting um you know horrifically um you know player unfriendly blockchain systems into games in quite the same way that you know diablo immortal did their pay to win system yeah i mean but from their point of view it worked from that if, if their sole if their sole um idea is hey i just want to make as much money off this ip as possible i don't care what we do to the reputation if gamers are going to chuck money at it developers are going to keep doing it um mm. and i know a lot of people say hey you know players shouldn't if we want this to end we need to stop throwing money at these games but if you're a guy who's sitting on a bank account with $20 million and you really like Diablo, but you don't have time to play it, and you can spare 150 k who am I to tell you not to spend that money? <laughs> yeah. So, again, I think we're, we are going like three, four, five like shades beyond the original point. Yeah, but, but it's, I, it's, it's, it informs the original point. Yeah. And... 
So the, I don't. I don't have the solutions. I don't think you do. Uh, no, I don't. We. I really definitely don't have the solutions. But uh, it's fun to try. the The developer problem. I think. I think people blow out of proportion. Um, in okay. terms of developers making money from blockchain technology from NFTs, uh, I think we can have our cake and eat it when it comes to this problem. Because, firstly, we need these developers to make money. You're not getting yes. your games if they don't make money. I think everybody knows that, but it's good, it, you know, it's good to remind ourselves that they have to make money. They are in the money making business perhaps more than they were because the ceiling is so much higher than it was. Like, yeah. you know, now you're affecting the stock market rather than just selling out at GameStop. <laughs> um, so it's obviously grown a lot, but then we can benefit while they benefit. There can be a mutually beneficial system in which yes. like secondary market fees, right? The, the royalty payments and secondary market fees where players are earning, the creators are earning, the resellers are earning, the developers are earning, yep. and everybody's everybody's gaining from this. Like, I'm not saying there's not I, downsides. I know there is, but, yep. but at least there's... I feel like we're, it's a net positive. And yes, the developers may make more money than they were because the items can be resold and they will get a fee and they recapture some of that money. But then, so what? You're getting something, rather than having nothing to show for it, you're getting something. And rather than not being able to sell it, you are able to sell it. Yep. I think it's a net positive for all the downsides and it does need to be regulated. Absolutely. Yep. And it can be exploited that, you know, 30% fees or whatever Apple love to throw on their apps. I mean, yep. crazy, untenable, but I do think it, it will be a net positive overall. Yep. I don't think there's, just from my point of view, I don't see any downsides to people making money. You know, I, you know, if, if let's say Activision Blizzard stuck uh, blockchain into, um, you know, retail wow, and then made a hell of a lot more money off the back of it. Cool. You know, they can do that. I, I, I don't have an issue with anybody making money. But I... So so you said there that, hey, you know, the player benefits, the developers benefits, people in the ecosystem benefits. But I do think that for every winner in a system like that, there is also... I mean, it might not be a one-to-one -one ratio, but there is both winners and losers in systems like this. And I mm. think from a player perspective, I think it boils down to... Are gamers willing to take that risk? Who, who loses so, though? So there's going to be, for example, there's going to be uh, in an MMO. There, there may be players that you know that, that play the game that, um, that you know don't don't buy any assets off the marketplace and just continue to play. And let's say they get a lucky drop mm. and they sell an NFT and it makes them a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, that's cool, but likewise, I think there's also going to be players that think, oh, hey, I'm going to buy X amount of um, assets from the marketplace, and then I'm going to play the game, and anticipating that they're going to get a benefit, but, you know, perhaps the price of that item crashes, and they'll, oh, hey, you know, I've, I've actually lost, like, $50, $100, etc. You know, there's, there's so many... Force it. I mean, whenever you add market ac economics to anything, there are a billion factors that can affect the price of anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think from a from a media perspective, and I mean, you know, we we you know, NFT Insider, Token Gamer, etc. But you know, I'm talking about um, Kotaku and PC Gamer and IGN, etc. They, if we were to put blockchain economics into uh, an MMO or a big game, the second there is any negative, any story of, hey, um, X company that put blockchain in their game has doubled their profits, or, you know, um, WoW Gamer loses $75,000 through, like, NFTs. I mean, that, they are going to just pile that down the throats of anyone even remotely interested mm. in blockchain and NFTs. You know, th these are headline-making moments, and... I mean, as we both know, I think the general consensus, not just uh, kind of public perception, but amongst media is typically to, to demonise the industry at the moment. And by giving an avenue for the average person to, yes, possibly gain huge amounts of money, but also lose huge amounts of money is very tricky. And also, I mean, I would like these kind of conversations to not be about 
money as much, quite frankly. I, th- I do think that ownership and the ability to freely trade items is a great thing, but I think it would be foolish to assume that for the vast majority of people, the money aspect is the most important aspect of this. Mm. You know, if they, if they can play a game, earn something, and sell it for $250... They care much more about that two hundred and fifty dollars than the fact that they could freely sell that item on a. Like I mean, obviously, being able to freely sell that item was what allowed them to get to that two hundred and fifty dollars. But they don't care about the tech or how that works. They just care about the end result. Um. So. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't put crypto and NFTs into MMOs or games or reboots or any of that, but. It seems there's a million and one problems to solve and not a single one of them is easily solved. They're yeah. all incredibly difficult and require new steps and new innovations and new regulation and a changing of opinion and a changing of media perception. And these things aren't going to happen in... They're not, they're not going to happen in weeks or months. I mean, these things are going to take years, if not you know a decade or more Mm. to for us to even start to turn around to the idea that these things can be done in a responsible way and things are in place for them to be done responsibly yeah um that might seem like i'm being overly negative on the prospect of no blockchain and crypto games but i i do think there's a path forward but we have to tread incredibly carefully Mm. yeah i mean i agree i think um as far as the the media jumping on negatives go i I just care less than I did, than I used to, because they, if, if you think back, I mean, the, the number of times they've done they've done this, like they've thrown the toys out of the pram over microtransactions, over you know, online gaming, over real money trading, over they they've thrown the. In fact, I was I was talking to someone yesterday about this, and we were talking about how the initial reaction oh free to play is another thing like the whole business model was was yep. like scoffed at um about talking to someone yesterday about um the mobile gaming and how the initial reaction was like nobody's gonna play games on a mobile oh wait it's eaten 70 percent of the gaming market <laughs> yeah so the, i i just don't think they're particularly a benchmark i mean i'm sure they've raised plenty of important uh issues and there there are it so i mean i i, I agree they're we need to work out how to do this without people getting exploited and, and without ruining the games. Um, but at the same time, I'm also, uh, I mean, PC gamer getting upset about NFTs in an exaggerated cartoon way every week is just so tiresome to me now. And it, I think they will be proven to be wrong about it in the same yes. way. Uh, I bet if I looked far enough back, they were they were wrong that microtransactions are necessarily evil or that um, mobile gaming isn't real gaming uh, and will never properly catch on. It's not a gaming device. Um, and now it's, you know, worth more than console, PC and handheld devices combined. So, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's strange that just on the microtransaction basis, you know, a couple of years ago, I would say pre-Fortnite, the idea of cosmetic-only microtransactions was relatively well accepted it's like, so long as it doesn't provide any gameplay benefit, if people want to buy a fancy skin, cool. Mm. But then Fortnite came along. And I'm not saying it's completely changed that opinion or that wider publicly held perception, let's say. But especially in the UK, there was plenty of stories, and I'll, I'll add accurate stories, of, you know, kids being bullied if they don't have Fortnite skins mm. and and all of this. And that's... I don't think it's changed the the wider perception, but there's there's rumblings now that even cosmetic microtransactions are something that might not always be okay. And there's been a, a virulent opposition to blockchain integration or crypto integration in games at the moment. There are companies that are doing it in the right way, but I think, as we've said in the past, until we have that one game that is like a shining example of the best that this industry can be, it's difficult for anyone to point at a game and be like, that game is doing it right. And it's grabbed gamers' attention and it's doing Mm. things in a right way that gamers can respect. And uh, can I see that game coming soon? I mean, there's there's hundreds of blockchain games being made at the moment. Who knows which one will be the one that that gamers latch onto. Mm. Um, I mean, we we both have blockchain games that we love, but admittedly, the audience is still quite niche. 
do I think some of those games have the potential to reach a wider audience? Absolutely. Uh, but it's... Again, I don't think education is the hook here, but acquiring that wider gaming markets is hard. And I don't think anyone has... Nobody has a magic key or a magic wand or or anything to make this happen overnight. But that's not to say it's not going to happen. I think it will happen. But who's going to do it? Where's it going to happen? What type of game will it be? No one knows. Mm. So we're all a bit in the dark. So just keep jamming blockchain into old games. That's that's the (laughs) takeaway. Keep doing it. In in a responsible way. Nah. But yeah. Don't worry about it. Just, Just jam it into old games until we get it right. Yeah, <laughs> well, hey, if, if there's any developers watching this that want to give me an amount of money to make that Dynasty Tactics remake and stick uh, crypto and NFTs exactly. into it, reach out to me because I'd exactly. love to do it. I think it's a uh, oh, there's there's so many old games that like they just don't. I, I know I sound like an old man saying this. I'm only 24, but <laughs> in some respects, they really don't make video games like they used to. There's definitely, um, I mean, we're going to go way way <laughs> off topic. We'll keep this self-contained, but um, yeah, there, there's there's definitely. There's definitely something that's been lost. But the only, th- I'll say this is the, my final point. The only thing I was going to say about um, the microtransactions, the reaction to them and the cosmetic skins yep. is the initial reaction to microtransactions was bad because yep. people were like, I've bought the game. You want me to spend more and then free to play. And then microtransactions were like, well, how can you moan about it? You didn't play, pay anything. If yep. someone wants to buy it, they can. And then the, the bullying thing I've seen, I saw a couple of articles about that recently about kids getting bullied for not having Fortnite skins. I, this is going to sound horrible. I don't have any sympathy for that. For this, wait, 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 wait. Let me, please don't clip that. Please don't clip that. I have a lot of sympathy for a kid getting bullied, but if it wasn't Fortnite skins, it because he doesn't have the latest Air Force Ones or he doesn't have a, a bike, the, like the latest bike or, or Apple Watch or, I mean, it just, it just moves. Um, do you think? Do you think Fortnite should do anything or change how they operate? To what do you do? What do you do about that? That's like, true. Yeah. you've become so popular that people, you're like in the cultural zeitgeist now. And if someone doesn't have things that are cool in a game, it's just like having cool things outside of a game. I mean, I don't know what they're meant to do about that. That's, That's true. It's not. It's not fair. You know, if someone's got a Casio rather than a Rolex, it's not fair to say, "Oh, you've only got a, a, a Casio." I mean, what yeah. what's what's Rolex got to do about that? Like, it's <laughs> true. That is true. And then, yeah, there's difference between car brands. Difference between you know, it, yeah, it's, it's not like it's not like it's a problem that does not exist in adult society. It's yeah, just, and being a kid sucks. I mean, <laughs> you, honestly, it's rubbish. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll get bullied for something. Yeah, I think all of us do. Mm, oh, that's what a fun ending <laughs> <laughs> we all get bullied at some point in our yeah. lives there Thank we you go. Good what, night. what a positive note to end on but uh no i think that was a a very interesting discussion went into areas i didn't think it would but when we're the, when we're not super structured it goes, yeah. you, we don't know where it's gonna go it i just, think that that's the joy of doing these unstructured podcasts mm. and you know yeah hey it's a joy it's a joy to do them so uh rob where can we find you um, you can find me on tokengamer.io at Token Gamer News, Twitch TV, Token Gamer, YouTube, Token Gamer, uh, LinkedIn, Token Gamer, type Token Gamer in whatever you're on <laughs> and you'll probably find us. Uh, John. Over to me. So uh, for the latest NFT news, nftinsider.io. Um, as we speak, uh, Jens, one of our writers, is at Gamescom Asia. So she'll be writing a few articles based on what she sees there. So that's cool. Um, and of course, other stuff we're doing. We're doing plenty of other things. Um, social media at nftinsider underscore io uh, for giveaways and industry talk and all that good stuff. For me personally, at hydropowered, H-Y-D-R-O-P-W-R-D on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, did I say Twitter? I think I did. Yes. You did, um, yeah. Steam. Um, probably Tinder. I, I, I wow. have no idea Swap what my up. username is. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, Twitter's the the main one for my daily tweets. I've been trying to interact with some of the communities um, of the entities that I hold lately, and it's been really fun, actually. Um, But also, industry talk, um, usually making people cross about things. You know, standard stuff. 
But, uh, yes, uh, last thing, Atomic Club Live London. Um, as yeah. we record this, it is 13 days away, I believe. It'll be 12 days by the time this podcast comes out. Um, we still have tickets available. I think um, by the time this goes out, we'll have passed 350 um, tickets that we've sold. So it's going to be it's going to be an impressive event. Uh, so, yeah, if you're in London uh, on November the 2nd, or if you're in the area because, you know, you're arriving for NFT London, uh, pop on down. It's completely free to attend. Um, I'll, it's uh, live.atomichub.io if you want to secure your ticket. Um, there's going to be some uh, some presentations, some uh, interesting fireside chats, uh, some announcements. Uh, just a great way to come meet everyone in the NFT community. So, yeah, come on down. Yeah. And that, I believe... And we'll be on stage. You'll be on stage a lot. Yes. We're, okay. We'll be yes, on stage together at one point. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've we've confirmed our photographer and videographer for the week uh, this week as well. So, hey, if you if you see me and um, our video guy walking around the floor, uh, we'll be doing, like, Vox Pops and little interviews for the day. So, yeah, come tap me on the shoulder, get his face in front of camera, and, yeah, get, get involved in uh, what we'll be producing coming out of that day. But, yeah, um... I think I don't think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I'm also um, emceeing half a day of uh, day two at NFT London. So if you nice. are at NFT London and you want to see me flounder on stage whilst I try and introduce people to the gaming track, um, then yeah, come to. I'm not sure what hall it's in at the moment, if I'm honest. But you know, you can come and see me make a fool of myself, most likely on stage. I'm going to come heckle you. <laughs> The first heckle at an NFT conference. Oh, hey, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. It should be a lot of fun, quite frankly. Um, I'll be myself and quite a few other members of the Atomic Hub team there as well. So, hey, just uh, come on down. Um, but yeah, that is episode 42 in the books. Uh, five-star podcast review on Apple and Spotify. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. And leave a comment in here, in our Discord, wherever you can find us. If you want to suggest uh, topics, if you want us to uh, suggest anyone to interview. Speaking of interviews, we have a very interesting one coming up next week. Oh, yeah, next we week's a biggie. Will... We always yeah. say that, but we're, we're always right. It, it, it is a biggie. Um, yeah, it is a biggie, yeah. One of the biggest we've had thus far, and mm-hmm. it should be a very interesting discussion. So yeah. uh, we'll keep you in the dark about that. Uh, so, yeah, c- come back to us next week for episode 43. See who exactly that is. Uh, But in the meantime, um, thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And we will see you next time. Just that turn to the camera. (laughs) I just, I'm looking at you and I'm like, he's looking at the camera. What do I do? Uh, The corner of my eye, I was like, oh, maybe maybe that could be what I use for the, uh, for the thumbnail. Yeah, perfect.